Hi there, friends. This is Pastor Rivero from Liberty Baptist Church, and I'm excited to let you know that our church is now live streaming our services. So you can check it out on mylibertybaptist.org or on YouTube. Our services are at 11 a.m. on Sunday, 5 p.m. on Sunday, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday, all Eastern time. But in the meantime, enjoy this sermon podcast here from Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. As Pastor said, my name is Sam Wilson, and I love coming to Liberty Baptist Church, and so it's a real pleasure for me to be here. I'm a missionary to the Jewish people. Now, if you look on my board on the back, uh, there's a verse on that says Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And we often take that verse as kind of our, our main verse. And and then that verse, it says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, I get two things out of that phrase. Number one is if you take the Jews, and when it says Greeks, it means Gentiles. If you take the Jews and the Gentiles, that's sort of everybody, isn't it? Okay? I mean, Jews, if you take Jews plus Gentiles, that's everyone. And the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone to get the gospel. So we're about taking the gospel to everyone. Okay, but it also says to the Jew first, God makes a prime, he makes a priority about the Jewish people, about his chosen people. Uh, and some people, so I've heard, I had, so, I had one person say, well, I don't know why the Jews have to be first. And I say, don't be so happy about them. Don't, don't, don't get upset because it says that the gospel is to them first, but it also says they will be first in judgment. Okay, it's being at the start of the line isn't always your best bet. Uh, and so the Jewish people are, a very special people. I'm not saying you're not special. You're special, too, but they're very special people. And, and they have a very special role to play in the plans of God. And God wants us to get the gospel to them. And they're a greatly neglected mission field. And so what we're going to do between now and Sunday evening is talk about how to reach the Jewish people for Christ. Okay? Now, the other thing we're going to do is probably half to two-thirds of everything I say will apply as well to Gentiles as it does to Jews. Okay? And so it's really not... One time I was doing this similar sem seminar like this, and, and, and we, we called it taking the gospel to our neighbors, Jewish and Gentile. And I kind of like that idea because that's what it's about. It's about us getting up and going and taking the gospel to others, whether they be Jewish or Gentile. I want you to open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 10 tonight. Romans chapter 10. I am struggling because there is so much I want to share with you and that we have limited time. Uh, so we've got what? We've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You'd think this is enough, wouldn't you? Saturday and then Sunday, Sunday. I don't, I'm not sure about Sunday night. I don't know if he's going to let me preach or if he's, if he's going to run me off with a stick. But, uh, but, but, We've got those services that, that we have to be together, but I wish we had about six more. And uh, so I'm trying to figure, okay, how can I do this? Because there's so much I want to say and try to, try to give you. But um, I want to start out here in Romans chapter 10 because this is a very important passage of Scripture. 
Um, I love the book of Romans. It's, it's probably my favorite place in the scriptures, although I have lots of favorite places. Um, maybe you've studied the book of Romans before. Did you know that Romans 9, 10, and 11, those three chapters are really addressed to the question, what about the Jewish people? And a lot of people don't realize that. They read through that and they don't realize really what the topic is. But the topic of those three chapters, 9, 10, and 11, is what about the Jews? And so that, that's the whole, the whole topic, the question. Now, this was written by the Apostle Paul. All right. Now, Paul was the apostle to the, um, to who? He was the apostle to the Gentiles, right? So, so now, you're never going to hear a Baptist preacher ever say this again. Don't look at your Bible. Look at here. Now, think about how this verse should be completed. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for blank is that they might be saved. Now, if the, if the apostle to the Gentiles writes this verse, my heart's desire and prayer to God for blank is that they might be saved, who would we expect to be in the blank? The Gentiles. That's right. But the apostle of the Gentiles writes this verse and he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Let's, let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Father, I come before you now. I thank you for your word, for the beauty of it, for the riches of it. Lord, help me to, to preach your word in a way that is worthy of it. Lord, guide my lips. And Lord, I pray that you would empower your word as it goes forth. Lord, I pray for each one of us here. Lord, we didn't just come to, to listen to some guy talk. Lord, we want to meet with you. God, we need to meet with you. We need to hear your voice. God, I pray that you'd speak. Speak to our hearts. Help us to have hearts to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this verse, Paul says, the apostle of the Gentiles says, my heart's desire and prayer, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And, and I've already made a point of that. That seems a little unusual. And it, it's interesting. The same guy is the one who we just quoted Romans 1.16, where he said, again, the apostle of the Gentiles says the gospel is to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And in fact, if we, if we track the ministry of the apostle Paul, and we see what he did. He would come into a city and he would immediately go to the synagogue and he would preach the gospel to the Jewish people in the synagogue. And then only afterwards would he go out into the marketplace, into the Agora and preach the gospel to the, to the Gentile people there. Uh, and so what he said, Jew first and also to the Greek, is what he did is he would go first to the synagogue and then to the marketplace. And so we see this this, even though he, he is the, gospel, the, the apostle to the Gentiles, the thing that he said was to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The thing that he did was to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And here he's saying, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is, is, is that they might be saved. Now, as amazing as this is, 
there's a verse here in this passage that I'll be honest, it, it seems crazy to me. I, I, I just, it, it kind of blows my mind, okay? So go to chapter 9, verse 1. The same Apostle Paul writes this. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Now, I just want to stop after verse 1 and stop and look at what he says. Did you see what he said? The Apostle, look, if you got a letter from the Apostle Paul, and I mean like seriously, you knew it was really from the Apostle Paul, w- would you believe it? If, 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 if you knew for sure it was actually a letter, you, 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 you wouldn't doubt it. You'd think he's telling you the truth. See, I, yeah, I mean, I'm like, yeah, Paul, like if you say it, I believe it, right? But Paul here, he says to, he says to the people he's writing to, he says, look, I'm telling you the truth in Christ. And I can imagine him saying, well, we didn't really have any doubts about it. And then he says, I'm not lying. He's like, well, we didn't think you were lying. My spirit, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. And we're like, Paul, relax. I mean, we believed you in the first place. He tells us three times in verse one, I'm telling you the truth. Okay, now he's got my interest. What is he about to tell me that is so wild that he feels it necessary to three times assert that the thing he's saying is actually true? I mean, that's odd, okay? It gets crazier, okay? Now, before we read verse 2, I want to ask you this. How many of you here would be willing to sell your salvation? Anybody here willing to give up their salvation? No, no. Okay, well, what if I, what if I, what if I offered you $100? Anybody give up your salvation? Vince, you're not going to give up your salvation? Not even for 100 bucks. No, sir. Okay, what if, what if it was $1,000? No, and you're thinking, where would a missionary get $1,000? Okay. <laughs> what if I offered you a million dollars for you? Would you take it? And see, you didn't even stop and think about it, did you? You didn't say, hmm, let me see, let me count that. You're just like, that's just a dumb question. Because that's eternity. In heaven or hell, I wouldn't give it up for anything. See, I agree with you 100%. But Paul doesn't. Look at verse 2. I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites. Do you hear what he just said? Do you get what he... The Apostle Paul said, now look, he's not saying this is possible because it's not possible, but he said if there were some way that I could negotiate with God, that I could cut a deal with God, and if I could say to God, look, take away my salvation... God, erase my name from the book of life. I'd be willing to be estranged from Christ. I'd be willing to lose my salvation and die and go to hell if somehow that would result in the salvation of the Jewish people. Wow. I don't love anybody that much. I mean... I'm not giving up my salvation. Sorry. You know, I mean, if it comes down to me or you, I'm holding on to it. Okay. But Paul said, I would give up my very salvation if it would result in the salvation of the Jewish people. That's amazing to me. When I look at Paul's 
Paul's heart. I'm like, where did he get this enormous love for the Jewish people? Now, we could say a lot of things. Some people say, well, it, it, it's probably just because he was a Jewish person. Well, maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I'll bet that played a role in it, but that still doesn't explain it to me. You know, I, I, I believe with all my heart that, that Paul had this heart, this passion, this commitment to getting the gospel to the Jews because his heart was tuned into the heart of God the Father. Okay? And, and, and I think what we're seeing here is not just the heart of Paul. I think we're seeing the heart of God. That God has this enormous passion to see the Jewish people come to Christ. And that makes me wonder about me. Why don't we have that passion? If Paul had that, if God had that, what's wrong with us? Why don't we have that love for God's chosen people? Let's go on to chapter 10, verse 2. Verse 1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Verse 2 says this, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. This is a very interesting verse, okay? Because it's like there's a big plus and there's a big minus both together in this verse. He starts out with the plus. He says they have a great zeal of God. There is a, a passion, a hunger for the things of God in the Jewish soul. Now, it's interesting. I, I actually had a conversation with a Jewish man today uh, that I'll have to tell you more about. It was a remarkable conversation. <clears throat> but I asked him, I said, so he told me he was Jewish. And, and, and we, we, we began to talk and I asked him, I said, so are you a man of faith? Are you, know, are you, are you religious in your, in your Jewish, Jewishness? And he said, no, not really. He said, I, I, I rarely go to synagogue. And I said, okay. Okay, I said, let me, I said, look, I'm, if this is offensive or uncomfortable, please don't, you know, just, I, I, I would throw the question, but I'm, I'm really curious. I know that many Jewish people don't go to synagogue. Would you say that um, many Jewish people who don't go to the synagogue, that they don't go because they don't believe in God? Or is it that they just don't really have any need for the religion there at the synagogue? And he said, Look, as far as I'm concerned, the, the Orthodox Jewish religion is offensive to me. He said, I don't like anything about it. He said, I don't need their traditions and their rituals and the way that they live and the way they behave and the attitude that they have, I find very offensive and I couldn't possibly take part in that. It's, it bothers me and so I won't go to that and so I don't go to anything. It's interesting. It says that they have a zeal of God. And yet we see in Boston today, there are 260,000 Jewish people here. People ask me, why do you go to Boston so much? And I'm like, 260,000 Jewish people in Boston. That's why I go to Boston so much. There's a lot of Jewish folks here. They need the, they need the gospel. Okay. The only way they're going to get the gospel is the local churches here in this area begin to witness to them. That's the only way it's going to happen. And so I come here to try to help churches get a vision for reaching out to the Jewish people. And you say, well, are they all religious? No, I, the statistic I saw is that 7% of Jewish people go to synagogue every, every week. Okay. Another way of saying that is 93% of them don't. You say, well, they don't seem like they have much of a zeal for God. There's reasons for that. And one of them is what the gentleman told me today is that the, relig the Jewish religion, Judaism, is not something that m many Jewish people have gone there and tasted that and said there's no fruit in that. 
there's nothing there for me. And they try, they've, they've given up hope and walked away from it. There are other things as well. But what I want to say to you is that in spite of everything you see, there is a passion in the heart of a Jewish soul for God. You see it most in the Orthodox who, it's crazy that the devotion with which they seek to fulfill their, their religion is off the charts. Now, as Baptists, we often get kind of proud and self-righteous because we're very spiritual people. And we like to be very proud of it, okay? Uh, and, and sometimes we look at our neighbors and we go, well, he didn't even go to church at all. Well, and those guys, they go to some liberal church. They go to church, you know, like for 45 minutes once a week and that's it. What they're not going Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Saturday visitation, and, and, and then missions conference too. They, they, they're not doing all that. And they're living just like the world. But, you know, I'm a Baptist. I'm really, I'm really good. And we like to kind of think that way sometimes. But can I tell you what? If you want to talk just by devotion, the Orthodox Jews leave us in the dust. We don't begin to be as faithful as they do in the fulfilling. of Man, those guys, their whole life is prescribed by keeping the law. And you say the law, you're like, like the law, I mean, the Ten, the Ten Commandments, right? I'm like, oh, no, no, not the Ten Commandments. The 613 Commandments. Okay, because they were, they've counted them in the Old Testament. And there, there's not 10, there's 613. But there's not 613 because the rabbis have come along and added, I'm not exaggerating, tens of thousands of other rules and traditions and commandments and instructions that they're expected to follow. And so that man, from the moment he wakes up, and by the way, way before the sun comes up, in the early, early morning, they're expected to be up and out to prayers. And, and from then until late at night, their entire life, every step he takes is constrained by all of these rules and commandments and traditions that he is obligated to follow. And he is working so very, 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 very hard to try to be good enough to be pleasing to God. The zeal is off the charts. They have a zeal of God. That's what it says right here. But then it also says, but not according to knowledge. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You say, what does that mean? It means they're going 100 miles an hour the wrong way. You know, it doesn't help to go 100 miles an hour if you're going the wrong direction. It's not getting you any closer to the goal. In fact, it's getting you further from the goal. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They're looking for God but they're looking in the wrong place. They're, go, they're, 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 they're heading to God, but they're going the wrong direction. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. It's such a tragedy to see these people who so want to know God and want to have a relationship with God, and yet they're going about it wrong. Now you say, well, what are they doing? How, how are they going about it? Well, let's look and see what it says. It says in verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. <laughs> for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, that's a mouthful. Okay, a lot of moving pieces there in the, that passage. Let's grab one piece because there's one central issue. It says here, going about to establish their own righteousness. What I just described with those Orthodox Jews is that they're, they're working so hard to try to to be righteous enough to be pleasing to God. That's what they're all about. They're like, we got to do all of these things. And if we keep all these rules, all these commandments, if we can just be good enough and, and follow all these traditions that have been handed down to us, then maybe we'll be pleasing to God. 
Folks, the Bible says that by our works of righteousness, we will never make it. By works of the law, we'll never get there. It's hopeless. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. I, <clears throat> I, the analogies fail me, okay? If we were standing on the beach looking out across the Atlantic and, 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 and LeBron James comes up next to me and LeBron says, how about if we have a contest? Let's see who can jump across, across the Atlantic to Europe. And I'm like, okay, now I'm old, fat, and out of shape. Okay, and so I jump, and I have a great big four-inch jump. And I go, I, I barely even get into the water, okay? And LeBron James looks at me, and he laughs, and he says, that's nothing. He gets a big running shot, and he jumps, and he leaps high into the air and soars way out, and he goes, I don't know, 15 feet out into the ocean. It's like, wow, wow, that was, he did 30 times better than I did. How close did he get to the other side of the ocean? See, that's the thing. We, we look at people and we say, oh, that person, he's no good. Oh, that person, he's really righteous. And you know what? It's like the ones here and the ones here and God's righteousness is up here. That's what it means when it's saying being ignorant of God's righteousness. They don't get it. There's no way you're going to achieve that. There's no way you can get there. It is vastly beyond our ability to even consider. And, but they're here furiously trying to establish their own righteousness, trying to be righteous. Now, Let's not get down too much on the Jews, okay? Because the whole world's doing this. It's not just the Jews. Let's go downtown Easton. Uh, we're, we're, Saturday, we're not going to go downtown Easton. Uh, we decided to take the day off. And, uh, but, but if you go down, if you go, is there a downtown to Easton? Yeah, yeah okay, good. Uh, wasn't sure. Uh, <laughs> if you go to downtown Easton and you just stop people on the street and say, hey, do you think you're going to heaven? The fellow looks at you and says, well, Hope so. I said, well, well, tell me why when you stand there before God at the gate and he says, why should I let you in? What would you tell him? I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I've been to church. Once, once I read, I read, I read in the Bibles, I read in the Bible once. I, I've had him reach in and pull the chain out and say, I, I wear a cross around my neck. I got baptized when I was a kid. They have all these different ways. I'm a good husband. I'm a good son. I'm a good father. We have all these reasons why we're righteous. Okay? And, oh, let somebody dare to say that you're not righteous. Let somebody dare to come say, you know, I think you were wrong when you... I was not either wrong. Yeah, how dare you say I was wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do that. We have you on video. Okay, well, maybe I did it, but you know what? It wasn't my fault. It was actually the preacher's fault. He made me do it. The preacher wasn't even there. Oh, well, you know what? I just maintain that there's nothing wrong with doing that then. We'll do anything to prove that we're righteous. Uh, I love kids. I just adore kids. They're just so much fun. Uh, and the funny thing is about with a little kid, they're not clever enough yet to know how to lie well. And, you know, you, you'll run a kid and his arm is like this deep in the cookie jar and he's got crumbs all over his face and mama says, what did you do? He said, I didn't do nothing. Where'd the cookies go? No idea. And it's just, it's funny. You know, it's hysterical. But see, now they're going to grow up and then they'll be like us and we're smooth. Okay? I mean, we're doing the same thing, pretending that we're righteous when we know good and well we're not. 
but we make it smooth and we, we, we pull it off way better than the little ones do. All of humanity is going about to establish their unrighteousness. And folks, it will never save us. If you think you're getting to heaven because you're good enough, you are horribly and sadly, tragically deceived. And you will never, ever make it. You have no hope of making it. You say, well, then how can a person be saved? Well, let's read down a little further. Verse 9 says that, that is that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So the Bible says that when a man stands before God and says, God, look, I'm righteous. God's going to look at him and say, you're a liar. You are not righteous. You're a sinner. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But when a man stands before God and says, God, I'm a sinner. I've broken your commandments. God, I'm guilty. God, I deserve to die and go to hell. But Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ, God the Son, left heaven and he came down to this earth and he lived a sinless life and he gave himself on a sinner's cross. He poured out his blood to pay for my sins. He died and he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. And the scriptures say that if I trust him, that he would forgive my sins. And so, God, I come to you as a sinner, as one who is guilty, but yet as one who is forgiven, not because I deserve it, not because of my works, not because of my religion, not because of my righteousness, but because Jesus Christ paid the price for me on the cross. Because of that, I'm forgiven, God. Then God holds the door open and he says, come in, my dear son. That's the difference. If you're depending on your righteousness, good works, and religion, you'll perish. If you're depending on the shed blood of Jesus Christ, then you'll have life. That's what the Bible says. It's interesting. <laughs> there are some people who, who would teach us that there's one way of salvation for Jewish people and a different way of salvation for Gentile people. That's not true. I mean, and I can show you over and over through the scriptures that it's not true. But the next verse says there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. No difference between Jews and Gentiles. We're all saved the same way. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all who call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay. Now, the Bible says it's really simple. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you can be saved. But somebody might say, well, Sam, what's wrong with those Jewish people? What? If all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and be saved, then why don't they just do that? Why don't they just call on the name of the Lord? I don't get what's wrong with them. And I would say, you know, that's a fine question. I appreciate you asking. Let's look and see what the Bible says about that. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14 says, but how shall they call upon him in whom they've not believed? You see, the problem is they can't call on the name of the Lord and be saved because they haven't believed in him. Well, that is no answer at all. I mean, how does that even help the situation? Why don't they believe on him so they can call on him and get saved? 
I don't get it. What's wrong with these people? Excellent question. Let's see what the Word of God says. It says here, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? You see, they can't believe on him because they, they haven't heard about him. Seriously? You expect me to believe that? You expect me to believe that? I mean, look, we live in America. Everybody's heard of Jesus. Of course they've heard about Jesus. Don't tell me they haven't. Well, of course you're right. They have heard of Jesus. But have you considered what they've heard of Jesus? You see, nobody's gone and told them about Jesus. What they've heard about Jesus is what they've heard from the Jewish culture, from Jewish tradition, from their rabbis. That's what they've heard about Jesus. So they've heard that <coughs> Mary was not a very good girl and she was slipping out and meeting a Roman soldier and got in trouble and ended up with child, didn't want to fess up to what she's doing, so she said it was from God. They've heard that, that Jesus is the Ill illegitimate son of, Jesus, of, of Mary and a Roman soldier. They've all heard that. They've heard that Jesus is a false teacher. They've heard that. They, they've heard that Jesus was a nice Jewish boy and the Gentiles went and turned him into a god. They've heard that. They've heard all kinds of things about Jesus, but they've never heard the truth about Jesus. Well, that's just terrible. Why haven't they heard the truth about I mean, that's, that's terrible that they don't know. That, that ought to be that way. Somebody ought to do something about that. Well, let's look at what it says. It says, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, folks, I'm, I'm not, when we're using the word preacher here, I'm not using it in the sense of talking about this gentleman here. I'm using preacher to talk about all of us because all of us are to be preachers of the gospel. All of us have the responsibility to spread the word of God. Okay? And the word of God says, how shall they hear without a preacher? So the question is, how shall they hear without a preacher? Have you gone to them and told them the truth? Have you shared the Christ with them? We started out this conversation with you saying to me, what's wrong with those Jews? I'd like to ask you, what's wrong with us that we don't go and take the gospel to the Jewish people the way God told us to do it? Folks, this week, I'm going to challenge you to be a witness to Jewish people and to Gentile people. There are a lot of ways to share Christ with lost people. I was going to say that I'm, I'm in favor of all of them, but that's probably not true. There are probably some ways that you shouldn't do. Uh, but pretty much any normal way, I'm, I'm in favor of it, okay? But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, I'm going to ask you this week to go find a Jewish person. Now, if you feel really ambitious and you want to go find five, great, do that, okay? But let's keep this really simple. I don't want to overburden you. I don't want to give you an impossible job. I don't want to put some, I don't want to set the bar really high so it's really super hard for you. Go find one Jewish soul. How many of you know somebody that's Jewish right now? 
Yeah, amen. Amen. If you didn't raise your hand, I'll just say to you, almost certainly you do know somebody that's Jewish. You just don't know that he's Jewish. Okay? I mean, we live here. There's 260,000 Jewish people in the neighborhood. You likely know some of them. Okay? If you don't, people say, well, I don't know how to find a Jewish person. I'll tell you a foolproof way of finding a Jewish person. You say, what's that? Go home tonight. Go into your bedroom. Close the door. Somebody's thinking, Brother Sam, you think there's a Jew in my bedroom? No, I don't think there's a Jew in your bedroom. <laughs> Get down on your knees beside your bed. And you say, God, I want to share Christ with a Jewish soul. God, send me a Jewish soul. I promise you I'll share Christ with him. God will do it. God will God's waiting for people to sign up for this. If you, if, if, you, if you go to God and say, God, send me a Jewish soul, I promise you, I'll, I'll witness to him. God will send you a Jewish soul. You say, how? I have no idea. In a way that will be bizarre and completely unpredictable and seem completely random, Jewish people will begin to appear in your life. I had a dear friend. He's over in Ukraine, and uh, he wanted to witness to Jewish people. He said, Sam, I, I, I'd like to witness to Jewish people. I just don't know any. And I told him, you go home and pray and ask God to send a Jewish person into your life. And he said, do you think that'll do anything? And I was like, just watch. He called me a while later. He said, Sam, I, I quit praying that prayer. I said, why'd you quit? He said, I've met 20 Jewish people. I don't have time for more. I'm so busy running around talking to Jewish people now, I don't have time to do anything else. Okay? If you sign up for it, God will take you serious. Ask God to send a Jewish... And we say, well, what am I going to do? Well, this week, I'm going to teach you what to do. But let me tell you right now, four things. You're going to love him. Like with the real kind, not the fake kind. You're going to pray for him. Not once... Oh, Lord, bless the poor Jewish guy down the street. No, you're going to start praying for him like he was your own kid. Praying for him with a passion that won't quit. You're going to sow the word of God in his life. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to give him the Romans road every time you see him. If you do that, he'll probably throw a brick at you. I'll probably help him, okay? There's no need for you to do that, okay? But what you'll do is you'll begin to share a verse. You begin to share an answered prayer. You begin to share a blessing. You begin to share. You just begin, look, Christ is in your life. And you're going to just begin to share in a natural way all the wonderful things that Christ is doing in your life, provoking him to jealousy, developing in his soul a hunger. If you, if you come to that Jewish person the first time you see and say, let me tell you about Jesus, he'll say, please shut up. I'm not interested. I'm Jewish. It has nothing to do with me. He'll be closed. You say, that's terrible. I quit. Yeah, I know. That's Everybody wants to quit when it doesn't work the first time. Can I tell you something? If you go talk to a Jewish person about Jesus and he's closed, then say, huh, it's working just like Sam said it would. I must be doing it right. Okay? Because they are closed. Okay? You say, well, what am I going to do about that? You're going to keep loving him. You're going to keep praying for him. You're going to keep sowing the word of God in his life. You say, for how long? As long as it takes. Well, what if he won't listen? You're going to, number four, I'm going to love him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to sow God's word in his life, and I'm going to persevere. I'm going to stay at it no matter what. I will not quit. You say, what if he gets mad at me? I'll persevere. Well, what if he ignores me? I'll per what if he argues with me? I'll persevere. What if he doesn't listen to me? It doesn't matter. I'm going to just keep loving, keep praying, keep sowing, keep persevering until the love and the prayers and the word of God soften his hard heart. And when he finally says, Okay, why is it they keep talking to me about this? I'm willing to sit down and listen. 
then you're going to open the scriptures and you're going to lead him to the Lord. Folks, the challenge is go find one Jewish soul. Now, by the way, like, you know, if we want to all just decide we're going to do that tonight, we can just skip from now. To, no, we can't either. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do the rest of these meetings because i got all kinds of stuff to share to help you, okay? But that's the point of this whole week is would you go find a Jewish soul? Love him, pray for him, sow the word of God, and persevere, never quit. Stay at it. If every person here would do that, we can make a difference in getting the gospel to the Jewish people of this city. And if you won't, there's no hope for them. Nobody else is going to do it. If you don't, then they're finished. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in his word.